Uh, well, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. Hold your place at verse 42, and we will read our text here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, the microphone somehow bit the dust between the first and second service. So, as they used to say in my Pentecostal background, whenever someone was going to sing a special number and they weren't sure they were quite up to it, y'all pray for me now as I do this special. And so I ask that you all pray for me now as I use a handheld microphone, which I absolutely despise. So, all right. So uh, several years ago, <laughs> uh, I received a challenge from a person who was a member of our congregation at the time regarding the deity uh, of Christ. Now, someone not believing in the deity of Christ isn't surprising if that person isn't a follower of Christ, isn't surprising if that person doesn't believe the Bible, uh, isn't surprising if that person isn't a member of our church. But for someone to have gone through our membership classes here at uh, Vineyard, which include a pretty thorough presentation of our statement of faith, and to become a member here and, and not believe in the deity of Jesus, that was fairly surprising. Like, that's one of those things that, you know, when you're training to be a pastor, they don't, they don't really prepare you for. They prepare you for the before they're a member not believing in the deity of Christ, but not members of the church. And so I responded, and the leaders of our church responded, I think, exactly as we should have. We, we entered into a discussion with a person. We, we walked them through the places in the New Testament where Jesus declared his deity, and, and we were confident. We were, just, we, we were just greatly confident that this person was going to be persuaded, that seeing the scriptural evidence was going to be persuasive. But we were very wrong about that. There was absolutely nothing that we were able to do, no scriptures we were able to show to convince this person that Jesus is God because there was only one bit of evidence that they would accept. And that is if we could take them to the chapter and verse in the Bible where Jesus formulated the sentence, I am God. So we pointed out that Jesus on several occasions made that exact claim just with sentences formulated slightly differently than that, but the person would not be persuaded unless we could show those three words, one after the other, I am God, spoken by Jesus in the Bible. And we could not do that because Jesus never spoke a sentence with those exact three words strung together like that. While this was a bit odd to have this kind of challenge come from one of our members, it's a fairly common sentiment. A lot of people struggle with the deity of Christ, and uh, it's a sentiment that a whole lot of people in the world are happy to encourage and try to persuade others of. And one of their main tactics to try to convince folks that Jesus isn't God is to make the claim that Jesus never claimed to be God. In fact, there are a lot of non-believing theologians who have have basically created a little cottage industry for themselves in, in attacking the deity of Christ, discouraging belief in the deity of Jesus. And, and one of their main things that they try to persuade people of is that Jesus never claimed to be God. Now, I have to acknowledge to you today as we get started that anytime you're dealing with unbelieving theologians, there are always layers of complexity to their arguments that simply can't be covered in a sermon such as this. Uh, because complexity is one of the main tactics 
that non-believing theologians use for discouraging uh, belief. They can take the most straightforward teaching of Scripture and twist it in a thousand different directions to try to create doubt and confusion for people. So I'm not going to try to answer every manufactured complexity or uh, uncertainty that all the unbelieving theologians have dreamed up, but what we're going to do today is simply look to the Scriptures and see whether or not Jesus claimed to be God. We're continuing in our Jesus Speak series, and we're looking at John 8, 42 through 59. And what we're going to see in this passage is that Jesus absolutely, beyond any shadow of a doubt, declared that he is God. Raymond Brown, a Catholic theologian, says that there is no clearer implication of divinity than what we find in today's reading. And Leon Morris, a renowned theologian, says that Jesus' dramatic statement in our reading today demonstrates his preexistence and therefore his divinity in more striking fashion than we see anywhere else in the Gospel of John. So let's read the text. Uh, You can follow along in your Bible, or I think it will be on the screen uh, behind me, but uh, follow along with me as I read. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come of my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're not able to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? What kind of a question is that? Aren't we right, Jesus, that you're demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So to begin with, Uh, One of the things that I want us to see in this text and really throughout this series is that the Jesus of popular imagination, the Jesus that always affirms people, the Jesus that always tells us we're wonderful just like we are, is not the Jesus of the Bible. 
It's not the real Jesus. What we've read today is a part of a prolonged dialogue between Jesus and the Jewish people, including uh, the religious leaders of the day, where Jesus, throughout the dialogue, it spans at least a couple of chapters, and, and throughout this, Jesus is just challenging people, confronting them, calling them out. He is telling it like it is. And we see this even in the early verses that we read today. Jesus tells them that the reason they can't understand his teaching is because they belong to their father, the devil. Can you imagine if someone came to me after one of my sermons and said, I disagree with that, and I said, well, that's because you belong to the devil. (laughs) I mean, I know he's Jesus, but that's about how tactful he's being. You, 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 you belong to the devil. He, he's just telling it like it is. He says that the reason they can't hear what he says is because they don't belong to God. These were people who absolutely believed they belonged to God. They took great pride in being the children of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, belonging to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looks to these people, convinced that they are God's chosen people, and he says, you don't hear me. Because you don't belong to God. Yes, we do. Jesus is saying, no, you really don't. The Jesus of the Bible, the real Jesus, is opposed to the Jesus that the world's created in its own image, the Jesus we've created in our own image. The real Jesus does not always affirm us, doesn't say we're wonderful just like we are, doesn't accept every statement of belonging to him as being a truthful statement. But rather, he calls us out for who we really are. Now, I said a few weeks ago, and I think it bears repeating here today, that Jesus being confrontational like this is quite a bit different than our being this confrontational. We're not Jesus. We don't know the hearts of people like he does. But the suggestion that is prevalent in the church today that Christians should never speak out against anything ever, whether in the culture or in the life of a friend, is a misguided notion. And friends, it has absolutely zero biblical credibility. And yet it's accepted in the church today as if it is gospel fact. Zero biblical credibility. When you read the New Testament, Jesus... And then his followers, Peter and Paul, are great examples, spoke the truth. They did so in love, but they spoke the truth. They weren't afraid to call sin, sin. They were not afraid to call people to account and let the chips fall where they will. And this is a point that I think bears frequent emphasis in a church culture that is increasingly tolerant of things that it should not be tolerant of. We need to call sin, sin. It is okay to do so in love. In love, we can confront both the culture and individuals about sin, provided we do so with the motivation of seeing people turn to Christ and receive his grace, understanding that it is not within us to execute Uh, ultimate justice on anyone or pass final judgment on anybody, but we can still call things as they are with the motivation of seeing people come to the truth, realize the truth, turn to Christ, and receive his grace. But our focus today is whether or not Jesus claimed 
to be God? And the answer is that he absolutely did. In this text that we read today, there are at least two statements where Jesus very strongly suggests, uh, that that strongly suggests Jesus is declaring himself God. Uh, There is a third statement that isn't a direct claim to deity, but is a claim of great uniqueness. And then that third statement sets up a fourth statement that is the clearest declaration that Jesus ever made about who he is, that he is God. So notice how today's text begins. Jesus is commenting on the people not receiving what he has to say. He asks questions like this, why is my language not clear to you? And then he answers it, you're not able to hear what I say because you belong to your father the devil. He goes on and he says, yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. And he asks this question, if I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? So the entire context of uh, how this opens up is that Jesus is saying, why aren't you hearing me? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you receiving? And then verse 47 says, he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Understand what he's just said. Those who belong to God hear what God says. And then he says, the reason you don't hear, what are they not hearing? They're not hearing what Jesus says. What he's very clearly communicating here is that when he is speaking, when Jesus is speaking, God is speaking. They don't recognize Jesus speaking because they don't belong to God. And there's really no misunderstanding the implications of this. And the people that heard Jesus that day understood the implications quite well. And we see so in their reaction in verse 48. It says this, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed. Now, we can read over that and not fully appreciate what's happening there. But by calling him a Samaritan, they were basically employing an ethnic slur, is what they're doing. They're they're basically name-calling here, which is what people often do when they're out of arguments, don't have a good argument. Have you ever noticed that? Nobody's ever noticed that. Okay. Have you ever noticed that? I don't ask for much feedback from you, but every once in a while. All right, so, so a few of you have noticed that. I was called stupid this week by someone, and, uh, and I'll just tell you, I, I considered what they had to say, and I'm convinced they called me stupid because they were out of arguments. And so this, this happens. Do you guys feel bad for me that I was called stupid this week? You don't really seem like you feel that bad for me. So they, they were employing an ethnic slur, they, they were angry, they, were, they didn't have an answer to him, and so they started name-calling. They were essentially saying he's not a pure Jew, that he's an enemy of Israel. And then in calling him demon-possessed, they were basically saying that he was insane. So Jesus never claimed to be God? Well, the people that heard him that day would beg to differ, they understood quite well what he was claiming. And then look at verse 51. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
So understand what Jesus has done there. He has claimed power over life and death. Jesus is saying that those who believe in him are delivered from eternal death. They will never suffer the torment of hell. Friends, only God has the power over life and death. Only God can deliver someone from death, eternal death, and from the torment of hell. And again, we see clearly that these people who heard him understood very well what he was saying. Verse 52, now we know that you are demon-possessed. We were pretty certain you were before, but now you've made this other statement and and we know you're demon-possessed. And they go on and they point out that their most revered heroes had all died. Abraham had died, the prophets had died. And so they understood that Jesus was saying that he was greater than Abraham, that he was greater than the prophets. Abraham and the prophets couldn't avoid death and they couldn't deliver anyone else from death. Only God could do that. They knew that only God could do that and that Jesus was saying he could do it. And so they respond with, who do you think you are? Well, he's actually being quite clear about who he thinks he is. That They actually are very clear on what he's saying, what his claim is. This who do you think you are isn't an honest question any more than it is when you say that phrase. When do you say that phrase? You say it when someone has offended you so deeply and you just can't believe they've acted that way toward you. Who do you think you are? It's not a question. It's, a, it's an expression of outrage. It's frustration born out of anger. And what's Jesus do when he has his crowd this upset and this angry? Well, what the pollsters would tell Jesus to do is, hey, Jesus, you've lost them. Anything you say at this point, they're just not going to hear. So what you should do is you just, you know, graciously back out of the conversation. Don't say anything else. You know, say, hey, you know what? We're all children of God, so let's just, let's just keep going. Is that what Jesus does? No, that's not what Jesus does. He just keeps pressing harder and harder. Verse 56 Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, this statement uh, on its own isn't a, a claim to deity, but it absolutely speaks to the uniqueness of Jesus. Jesus is the one to whom Abraham looked forward. And Jesus says Abraham saw his day by faith. Now, now I can't tell you with absolute certainty what that means, but what I'm suspicious it means is that uh, it's probably a reference to the whole drama of the Messiah's death and resurrection that was played out in the life of Abraham as he climbed Mount Moriah with his son Isaac, planning to make a sacrifice of Isaac. And right at the last minute before he went through with the sacrifice of his son, God provided the substitute sacrifice. In seeing that Abraham by faith Saul Christ. I think that's probably what this is referring to. It absolutely, though, speaks to the uniqueness of Jesus. He was the object of their father Abraham's hopes. Of course, they do what people with hardened hearts often do, is that they continue to twist and intentionally misrepresent what Jesus says. He, he said that Abraham saw his day. 
But their response, uh, in their response, they act as though he said he saw Abraham's day, pointing out that he was not even 50 years old and couldn't possibly physically have seen Abraham. Jesus was around 33 at this time. But what's happened here is that Jesus' statement about Abraham and their reaction to his uh, statement sets the stage for Jesus to declare beyond any misunderstanding who he really is. And so Jesus has told them that Abraham looked forward to his day. They've responded with their objection about his age. And now Jesus has them right where he wants them. And now Jesus declares with unmistakable clarity who he is. Verse 58, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. He begins, I tell you the truth. Some translations have this, truly, truly. Either way, it's simply a rhetorical device used to draw attention to something that is beyond dispute, something that's beyond debate, something that is absolutely inarguably true. And here's what's absolutely inarguably true. Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. First, the statement communicates that Jesus predated Abraham. He was older than Abraham. Abraham lived around 2,000 years before Christ. So Jesus, a, a man of 33 years of age, is claiming to have existed for more than 2,000 years. That in and of itself is a mind-blowing claim, but it pales in comparison to the full meaning of his statement. You see, Jesus did not say, before Abraham was born, I was. That's what he would have said if he was trying to communicate simply that he was 2,000 years old. But that's not what he said. He uses this odd phrase, before Abraham was born, I am. It sounds odd to us. The, the structure of that sentence is odd. Adele could explain it. I can't, but it's odd. But those hearing Jesus that day knew exactly what he meant. Without any question, they knew exactly what he meant. You see, in Exodus 3, when God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, Moses asked God a question. It's found in verse 13 of Exodus 3. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What am I supposed to tell them? You know, Moses had been away from his people for a long time by this point, And he had been raised in Pharaoh's house. And now God's appeared and said, go lead my people out of Egypt. And it's a reasonable question to say, well, God, they're probably going to ask. They're probably going to want to know if I know who you are. So who are you? What's your name? And here's the answer God gave. Exodus three fourteen. God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is the sacred name of God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And we have to understand all that is contained within this name. 
By saying before Abraham was, I am, instead of I was, Jesus is claiming something more than being 2,000 years old. In using the present tense, I am, he is claiming transcendence over time that can only be true of God. He is claiming eternal existence. Not 2,000 years of existence, eternal existence. And he's also unmistakably claiming to be the God who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. They knew the name of God. They knew the name that God had revealed to Moses in the burning bush. And Jesus has now used that name for himself. Jesus never claimed to be God, friends, no matter what the skeptics say, no matter how many of them say it. This statement of Jesus is absolutely a claim to deity. In verse 58 of chapter 8 of John, Jesus declares himself God. It is as clear as if he had said the words, I am God. It is the meaning of what he said. And once again, we know it's true because of the people's reaction to what he said. Verse 59, at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Their reaction proves that they understood him perfectly well. There was no mistaking his claim. And if that's not enough evidence for us, right here in chapter 8 and a couple chapters deeper into John, we have uh, more very clear evidence that Jesus declared himself God. There was a day when people were gathering around to stone Jesus, and he asked them this question. He said, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? <laughs> Did you ever think of Jesus being sarcastic? I'm pretty confident he's being sarcastic here. Hey, I've done all this great stuff for you. Which one of the great things are you going to kill me for, you moron? No, I don't think he would have added that part. But I do believe that he's being extremely sarcastic here. And in John 10.33, the people answer, we are not stoning you for any of the great things you've done, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. They knew what he claimed. They were crystal clear that Jesus said he is God. They didn't believe him, but they understood what he claimed about himself. Friends, there is no mistaking this. Jesus declared himself to be God. He did things only God could do. Jesus speaks to us from John 8, and he says very clearly, I am God. You can believe what he says, or you can reject what he says, but let's do away with the notion that he never claimed to be God, because it's as clear as clear can be that he did. So what about you? Do you believe that? Now, here's my guess in, in the makeup of this room today. I'm guessing that there are a few of us here today who may not believe that. 
I'm guessing there might be a few more of us here today who are struggling to believe that. There's something attractive about Jesus. We, we, we find the Bible appealing. We, we're thinking that it, it has the ring of truth, but we're really struggling to believe uh, some of the more um, you know, grand claims that it, that it makes. So maybe you're here kind of sitting on the fence about the deity of Jesus. And so to those of you who either don't believe or you're, you're kind of right there on the, the cusp of believing, I would simply appeal to you uh, to, 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 to pray, to say an honest prayer to God and, and just be open and honest before him and say something like this, God, I want all the truth that you have for me. If it is true what Christians say about Jesus being God, if that's true, then I want to accept it and I want to believe it. And so if it's true, help me to see it and help me to believe it. I believe with all of my heart that if you pray that prayer, God, I want all truth. God, I I want everything that you have for me. I want to be able to receive everything in the scripture that you want me to receive. If you pray that, I am confident that God is going to give you the gift of faith and you're going to be able to receive this truth about who Jesus is. But for the vast majority of us in this place today, we would affirm everything that we've seen in the scriptures today. I mean, you really don't get a topic that is any more preaching to the choir in a Bible-believing Christian church than Jesus is God. And so for the vast majority of us here today, we know that Jesus claimed to be God. We believe that Jesus is God. We don't have any question about that. We strongly say amen to each of these statements that Jesus made about himself in John 8. In fact, if we have any struggle, our struggle is understanding why everybody doesn't believe this. Because we're so convinced that Jesus is God. And so for all of us here who believe that Jesus is God, here's what I want to end with today. I just want to end with a simple question for us. I simply want to present this question to you and then allow you to ponder it without any further commentary from me. For those of us who believe that Jesus is God, are we living like we believe Jesus is God? Why don't you stand?